This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. We're recording this on the 23rd of February. Five states had gone to polls in the last month. Uttar Pradesh, Goa, Manipur, Punjab and Uttarakhand. Three states that are Goa, Punjab and Uttarakhand are done with casting their votes while Manipur uh, has one more phase of polling and Uttar Pradesh has four more phases of polling yet to go, including the one ongoing today. Um, so today I have with me my colleagues Ayush and Akansha. Hi guys. Hello. Hi, good to be here. It's been a while since we've actually all seen each other because all of us have been out for election coverage. Um, and Ayush, when did you get back from Punjab? I'm, I was back day before yesterday, 21st. You and Ashwini were there together for how long? Uh, I think 14 days, 7th to 21st. Right. And uh, Akansha, where are you now and when did you leave and are you back? We are in Balia right now and we started off uh, on 6th Feb with Prayagraj um, and then we went to Unnao, Gorakhpur and now we are in Balia. From here, we are planning to do stories in Mau and Ghazipur, which is just like a uh, two-hour drive. And uh, I think uh, we should be able to wrap up the coverage uh, as such by 3rd uh, of March, um, which is like, you know, which is the deadline that we are planning to uh, you know, abide by so that uh, the stories are done and they also kind of uh, get, uh, you know, good amount of play uh, in terms of the resources that have gone into it. Hmm. Uh, so listeners, as you can see, uh, some of us are back from election coverage uh, while my colleagues Akansha and Shivangi are still on ground. And I know that our editors, Manisha Atul also will be going and Mignath will be going on ground uh, very soon to East UP. Um, so, so as you can imagine, a lot of coverage like this takes a lot of resource, energy, uh, and re- we require your support in this moment. So we have an NL Sena election project that still needs to be completely topped up. It's on our website. You can find it under the NL Sena section. Um, and please do go and support us so that we can bring you stories that matter from the ground, like the ones we're going to discuss today. Uh, I'm going to start with a story that Ayush did along with Ashwini uh, and a freelance journalist, Shristi Jaiswal. The piece is titled Punjab Police is Citing Social Media Activity as Evidence of Charges Under UAPA. Ayush, in your story, you look at a number of people and instances where uh, UAPA has been used to charge people and frame people. But your story kind of looks at how with time the case falls apart due to lack of evidence. Um, could you maybe pick out one person from your piece or one incident from your piece to sort of tell us uh, and tell us his story so that our listeners can get a sense of uh, how this framing of UAPA really affects a person's life? Well, for all, I mean, you guys have covered UAPA cases as well. And, you know, it's pretty uh, common when you start reporting on stories like this to realize that once a person has UAPA on them, um, you can almost calculate 10, 15 years of their life going uh, into that direction. I mean, it's almost like it sucks out the next 15 years of your future and brings it to you and gives it into your hand and then you have to deal with it somehow. The protagonist uh, of the story that we did is this person called Mandeep Singh Halewal, who's 32. And he lives in rural Ludhiana in this village called Chakkala. And we met him and he has been an accused in the UAPA since 2016. And six years later, uh, when we did this story, he, the trial is yet to start, the charges are yet to be framed. And this man 
I think uh, he had no interest in living in Punjab or in India. He had moved to Canada in 2012. He just came back for a couple of months to get married and, you know, settle some of his family dues and then he had to go back to Canada. But in that period of uh, five, six months when he was here, everything changed. He had the UAPS slapped on him because uh, when he was in Canada, he was in touch with this uh, one individual. That individual is apparently on the scanner of the Indian agencies because he's a Khalistani supporter. That's what the Indian uh, establishment says. And he was in touch with him because um, this Khalistani guy apparently was uh, a plumber and so was Mandeep. So they had the same supplier and it was not that uh, Mandeep at least says that he was not uh, you know, attracted to any ideology as such. But if once you're in the same profession, you know each other, right? Like we know journalists who don't work at News Laundry, but we know them because that's the nature of our work. And that was used against him uh, to, for the police, Punjab police to claim that he had, uh, uh, you know, he had ammunition, he had arms, he was planning targeted killings across Punjab, that he was planning something that would lead to the breach of peace. And then the, uh, you know, the, the law was slapped on him. Uh, but we've looked at a couple of instances in these stories where social media has been evoked. So it's not just UAPA, but the way UAPA is invoked. But in short, this is the story of uh, Mandeep, who we've uh, reported on. So Ayush, from my understanding, a charge of UAPA can't be levied unless the state or the cent- and the central government approves uh, sanctions for it. So can you explain a little bit to me about this process of how someone gets framed with the UAPA? You need the gov- uh, Home Ministry's permission when you know the police is charging you with UAPA only when it's under Section 13 of UAPA. Uh, if it's under 15, 16, and 18, then you don't really need, then you need only st- uh, the state government's permission. So, for instance, our uh, uh, the man we've reported on, Mandi, was charged under 10, 16, and 18. So, since that did not require 13, they did not have to go to the center, uh, but, but only the state. And that's how he was charged. In fact, if you look at his FIR, and most of these FIRs in the UAPA cases, involve a credible informer, quote-unquote, coming to the police saying that I, I know this XYZ person, he's up to no good, he has arms and ammunition, he's planning to strike somewhere in Punjab, targeted killings, uh, and then the police, uh, you know, searches your home and then eventually you're stacked with UAPA. Uh, many, story, many of these cases which haven't made it to our story also involve this. So mm, that's the same that happened with Mandeep. Uh, the, the one day the police started coming up uh, to his home, you know, sometime in May 2016. And the frequency of them showing up uh, began more and more and he got irritated. And in the end, uh, on the, I think the day he got his visa is when they finally came and took it. And uh, he was put in one jail to the other. And I think in somewhere in, sometime in mid-June, he realized that he had been slapped with UAP. And the FIR stated, 24th of May. So that's the day the police first came to his house. So that day he did not know that the anti-terrorist law has been slapped on him, but only when, uh, you know, the police had irritated him with interrogations and questions about what he was up to, where he was going. One month later, when he's thrown into jail is when he realizes that this has happened. Hmm. And, you know, there's a line in your piece which I found quite interesting. After you speak about... um 
Dhalewal story, you kind of go into a conversation that you all had with uh, Sarabjit Singh Verka, a human rights activist. Um, and there's a line that uh, Verka says where he says he believes that even though so much time has passed since militancy was rampant in Punjab, quote, the state police continues to act and react with a mindset shaped during the militancy years, unquote, he said. Um, can you sort of like elaborate on what exactly does he mean by this? Like, what is this mindset that was shaped during the militancy years and how is the police continuing to act with that same mindset? So, yeah, it's very often forgotten what Punjab has been through, uh, you know, because the transition from the militancy period to the state of normalcy has been, was very dramatic and a lot of other events happened in North India around that time for that to take a backseat. But around the time the Ramjan Bhui was, you know, gathering up pace in the north, in the, you, what you say, the Hindi belt, which is around 1990-1991. In 91 was the worst year for the for the militancy in Punjab, and you had the most number of people being killed, and you had these disappearances of young men from villages across. And uh, it, militancy was a real factor in that. After Operation Blue Star, when the army went into the Golden Temple, destroyed the Akal Takht, killed. Uh, Janel Singh Dijrawale, who was the you know the militant commander, who was the hero and the face of that Khalistani movement. After he was killed, uh, the movement actually took picked up a lot of pace in rural Punjab, and the style that was uh, used by these militants was guerrilla warfare. One of the main architects of the Khalistani movement was a former Indian war hero uh, who war fought in the 1971 war, but then he joined the Dijrawale camp. So guerrilla warfare was the technique, and if you needed needed to fight that, the Punjab police had to take up very hard measures, which involved, um, you know, picking up people uh, at the smallest of uh, whiffs. So if you if you had the smallest of suspicion on anyone that this X Y Z young man could have been involved in uh, some you know Khalistani group, they were picked up. And these were the times of people like KPS Gill and Julia Robero, who were the DGPs of Punjab, who headed the police. And yeah, both of them have been known for uh, you know counterinsurgency measures. And at one point, they were experts. I mean, the afterlife, when they left Punjab, they became experts in counterinsurgency because the way they ran Punjab police involved a very hard uh, use of the rule of law. And it's very controversial, in fact. One camp says that what they did was right and the way the rule of law was used to crack down on Khalistani insurgency, sorry, the way they used the rule of law to crack down on the militancy was a fair way. That's the only way we could have restored some sort of democracy in Punjab. But others say that there was a lot of abuse in police powers, that it was an overreach, it was high-handedness, a lot of innocence suffered. So Punjab, the history of Punjab police is, is, is framed in that period at least. And a lot of journalists or people like Verka told us that it's that tendency of the Punjab police to be high-handed and to that, the, the free hand that it was given at that time, uh, the tendencies have still not left it. So uh, when we see them very, uh, you know, at a drop of a hat, slapping UAPA cases, for human rights activists like Verka and for other people who observe this closely, they believe that it comes from that period. It's that that violent phase that still resonates in the police till today. Hmm. Hmm. And has this affected young people? So if you, like I'm assuming you've spoken to young people in Punjab. So how how do they feel about, like, are they more conscious of their social media usage? Has it changed uh, because of these rise in these cases? Um, well, it's definitely make them more careful. And 
even though uapa cases are you know uh, we have data in uh, our story yeah i was going to ask you what like what is the data looking like and what is the conviction rate more than anything yeah so according to you know just passing manjpur who's the lawyer who looks at a lot of uapa cases and he was himself in jail for uapa um, around the turn of the last decade 2009 2010 he's compiled data which says that from 2009 till now there have been 112 instances in which uapa has been evoked and uh, i think there have been convictions in only three of them right so and in the last one year the last, uh, in rajya sabha the government put out data which said that in 2020 at least what we know now that um, punjab almost equaled as many uapa cases as in kashmir so the national crime records bureau's data is yet to come out so we'll have the final look then but uh, as far as the rajya sabha numbers that the government put out says that it was almost uh, as much as kashmir and the highest in the state last year and our story finds out and actually the indian express reported first that under the congress government from 2017 onwards led by mr uh, amrinder singh there was a rise in number of uapa cases but to be honest if you look at the overall picture uh, kashmir has had almost 300 of these cases whereas um, in the last 5 6 years that is and under in punjab it comes at number 7th in 19 or 20 so it's it's not as prevalent as you might uh, you know say in kashmir lady you have reported from kashmir the angst and resentment against the security apparatus that you see in kashmir is not something you see in punjab uh, of course there is a lot of resentment towards the punjab police and there is fear uh you know in the way they operate but uh, in cases where the rural youth especially and you can't see this from delhi but only when you're in punjab do you realize how much appeal uh, figures like bidra wale actually have among the youth you know uh, you can't say that these youth who look up to bidra wale or you know glorify the idea of khalistan are actually khalistanis but it's a very um you can say it's it's a part of the youth punjabi punjabi youth to have you know two or three um, principles or ideas they look up to and bindrawal is one of them but it's not something that they pursue seriously they have a job they go to canada and they live their life but it's like a romantic um, affair that they, all of them have with bindrawal so the expression of that this this romance for bindrawal and khalistan that does take a back seat when they come come to use social media because of these cases if you look at the charge sheets of these men who been charged under uapa the police uses instances like usne bindra wale ka photo dal diya facebook pe or someone has uh, some guy sitting in canada who leads a movement like bubba khas so he's facebook friends with them and that guy has posted a you know very uh, a poster saying khalistan zindabad and niche uske tumne likh diya ki why groji ka khalsa just comment kar diya so uh, all those instances are used by the punjab police to show that these men are khalistanis and they are secessionists basically so that expression does take a back seat you people do feel especially the young that the conversations around these subjects then becomes interpersonal face to face and that on social media you have to at least control yourself because who knows who's watching hmm. so that's the way it has that's the effect it has had has there been any change since the farmers protest i mean a bunch of these things like pandravale's poster and all of that you know when we covered the farmers protest it was quite prevalent in the 
the protest sites. Like we would see these posters, we would see young men talking about these people. Has there been any change at all since the, has farmers protest had any effect in terms of how social media is used? Because a lot of people were also arrested and persecuted for certain things they would say during the protest. The Khalistani narrative became, you know, a narrative that was really used to uh, try and cull the protests. So has that had any effect at all? Do we know like if there's been an increase in UAPA cases since the farmers protest or anyone who was in the farmers protest was charged for uh, UAPA because of certain slogans they might have raised? Uh, no, we don't actually. Jaspal Singh Manjpur, uh, the lawyer, I asked him this question and he said that there hasn't been, um, you know, any sharp increase in UAPA since at least the farmer protest began. But um, what the farmer protest has done is that a lot of the expression of, say, rebellion, uh, which is a very striking quality of young men in Punjab, a lot of that has found an outlet in social media in terms of key, you know, you saw these small channels uh, of these two, three Londas from Punjab, they, they bring a mic, they bring a camera, and they have a YouTube channel, and they'll make very nice videos, they'll do very good editing, and it'll, they'll put it up, and it'll have 2,000, 300,000 views. So a lot of those outlets have mushroomed. So you definitely have the youth uh, expressing themselves a lot. But, uh, and of course, a lot of sim the symbology includes Vindravale and it includes Khalistan and it includes, um, you know, a resentment against the Indian state. But uh, I don't think that the police has cracked down on it yet. Perhaps because the elections are in, uh, you know, the elections were oncoming over the horizon is why there was a certain calculation. But but uh, so far, looking at the numbers, we haven't seen a rise in UAPA cases because of that. And is this anything, is any is this issue any, discussed by any of the political parties at all in Punjab contesting right now? Uh, so not near the elections, it's not. Mm -hmm. But before the elections, it is. So for example, Sukhpal Singh Khera, uh, who is the MLA from a constituency in the Aba region near Kapoorthala, um, the Holak, I think Holak is the constituency. He's the MLA from there. He has he led a group of um, MLA six of them, and they went and met Captain. And he said that you know Punjab, the young men in Punjab were being charged under UAPA. It was very unfair. The Punjab police should take more caution. There should be investigations into how the police operates. That memorandum uh, thing had happened, and we've cited this in our story. But near the elections, it was not a conversation. And I, I had remember, I think I had tweeted about this, that um, you'd find these conversations taking place a lot in non-election season. But for some reason, in election time, uh, it goes away. And the answer to that might have been because the Congress party was not really you know, interested in trying to open it. Uh, if it opened the cupboard, the skeletons would fall out. The, the backlash would be against the Congress party if the conversation, conversation started. And it's not that Akaliyo ke under UAPA cases again. So everyone would have been equally culpable. So it's not a conversation when I was there at least. Hmm. Hmm. Which is why some people thought it was a not, a, not an election story, right? <laughs> but it was. Right. Um, so most of the time in a lot of these cases, uh, patterns are difficult to trace, right? Because like geographically, the cases are spread out. A lot of them exist in court documents. It's difficult to collate this information. So how did the, how did you decide to do the story? Like, was there someone who came to you and said, gave you a tip about the fact that there is a lot of these UAPA cases based on social media uh, coverage? Like, how did you all reach? And how did the three of you sort of divide it's often a challenge to work with uh, multiple people on the same story, right? So how do you kind of 
divide that work right so first part i think journalism uh, english journalism in punjab is pretty good compared to some other states so the chandigarh bureaus of a lot of newspapers produce a lot of talent and i've noticed that you know indian express has one and the hindustan times has one and um, i think tribune itself is a punjabi based paper but the speciality is that region and i've lot over the last few years i've met a lot of really good journalists who started off from the chandigarh bureaus of a lot of national papers so uh, man singh china ho gaye uh, you know the journalist who wrote uh, the profile of sidhu Mm-hmm. Uh, for caravan i'm forgetting her name uh, she is comes from there you know the a lot of kashmiri journalists like adil aksar who was an express started out from the chandigarh bureau so uh, these cases are reported very well and you have uh, good access to data through indian express and hd and tribune so that's one uh, that's one source of why uh, uh, you know it did caught our attention second um, Mr. Jaspal Manjpur, he is fighting a lot of these VPA cases. If he is not fighting any of them, he knows the person who is fighting them. So he connected us to all of them. One day we went went and spent three hours at his house in Ludhiana, and it was a very pleasant meeting. And he he gave us a very interesting insights into how Punjabis think, you know, and the Punjabi mindset, which from Delhi or from Lucknow look might look very odd or might look very it was a little bit odd but he explained to us how things go and what's the background so it's he who collates all this data it's the uh, reporting by a lot of uh, national newspapers and it's also a lot of local journalists and lawyers who fight these cases and not in high court but in district court and the additional sessions court so we had to meet all of them and Uh, how we worked on this was that Shristi knew Jaspal Ji, mm. and she had access to the data. And she said, uh, actually, she had been in Punjab before me. So she, by the time I went there, she had left. Mm. So she she said, we have I have all the data. I can speak to all the human rights activists and find the nutcraft of the story. Uh, and I, me and Ashwin, since the two of us were on the ground, can do the groundwork and go and meet the people. And I was like, I, I'll be more than happy to do all that. And Punjab is not a very big state. You can get from one city to the other in hour and a half. so it was not a it was not as grueling as say up you know so this was the way in which we found the stories and we did them right akansha did you have any questions for ayush um i just wanted to understand one thing uh, because uh, this happened uh, this has been also like this has been a trend uh, in uapa cases that uh, they don't really frame charges within like a time frame but aren't they bound uh, to file like a charge sheet like in this case uh, charges haven't been framed after 6 years so what explains the delay and how does police manages to sort of get off uh, with such unprofessional uh, conduct i think the biggest uh, stick they use is as is evident in everywhere in the country today is national security so a lot of deadlines can be missed if you cite key we don't have some crucial details but since the matter pertains to national security we would like to take our time before we do x y z or before we frame charges before we start the trial so uh, a lot of that happens and the second thing is that in say mandeep's case the case was with the punjab police for two years and then it was sent to the nia even though the nia eventually ends up taking the police line in all these investigations but it starts the investigation from scratch so pehle punjab police punjabi mein charge sheet file karti hai then they'll do their own thing the nia and they will find the same document probably in english it's they, they didn't never find anything new or anything concrete 
बट अब चार साल हो गए सिंस मनदीप केस वॉज विद एनआईए एंड दे हैवेंट फाउंड एनीथिंग अगेन एंड इन फैक्ट एज आई सेड चार्जेस हैवेंट बीन फाइल ट्रायल हैजंट स्टार्टेड बट आई थिंक इट्स द लैक ऑफ अकाउंटेबिलिटी एंड द ओपेकनेस विद व्हिच द एनआईए ऑपरेट्स इज व्हाई यू नो वी कांट पुट अ फिंगर ऑन व्हाई दे कांट एक्सपेडाइट दीस केसेस एंड कम टू से अ कन्विक्शन और एन एक्विटल but i think it's since it's national security and a lot of leeway is given by the judiciary as well that uh, they manage to um, delay these cases and especially when once a person gets bail like um, mandeep was in jail for 6 months between may 2016 to january 2017 so one, once the person is out on bail i think the even the courts thinks that okay his liberty is not been trampled upon so the investigation can take its own time right uh so akansha i want to come to your story now um your story is titled now as bjp banks on safety rape survivors mother fights for justice for women on congress ticket and you've also mentioned in your story how 45% of uh, the voter base in now is actually female voters and despite this you point out in your story how uh, it's striking that since 1951 there actually hasn't been a woman who's ever taken a seat in now and you you kind of tell your story through this one, one two particular cases and uh, one is the case of the 2017 uh, rape case in which the accused is kuldeep singh sanger a minor girl from unnao was raped by the then bjp mla kuldeep singh sanger um and there were multiple aspects of this case where uh, the survivor also lost her father who was beaten up by the police and then died in police custody she also lost both her aunts uh, she also attempted self immolating herself outside the chief minister's office and if i, I remember right for a long time she was at a safe house in delhi um, and the latest update is that in december last year a delhi court acquitted sanger in the case related to the accident where her aunt died saying that there was no prima facie evidence to prove this um so akanchi you do the story with shivangi another colleague of ours so both of you visited uh, the survivor's family and as of now asha singh the survivor's mother is contesting uh, from unnao sadar constituency you know congress ticket right so how did she uh, how did this happen how did how did the decision to contest elections come about so i think um... uh you know they didn't really have a plan to uh, enter into uh, the electoral fray uh, on their own uh, but asha singh uh, as we understand uh, she was in touch with a uh, uh, congress uh, leader and up in charge priyanka gandhi um and priyanka gandhi of late has been uh, in touch with uh, victims of crime against uh, women um across uh, up um and she has been also very vocal about the rise in crime against women um and therefore uh, asha singh's daughter she told us that uh, it was during one such interaction when she told uh, priyanka that uh, probably i would like to uh, contest elections and then uh, they were advised that you know you are too young uh, as of now so uh, it let like asha singh uh, fight the election this time around so uh, that is how i think uh, this uh, you know this entire thing happened as far as contesting elections is concerned because even for the congress party um, it was part of their electoral uh, strategy as well where they decided to give 
uh, tickets to at least 40% women in these uh, assembly elections. And um, interestingly, uh, every woman has her own story. Uh, for instance, uh, another candidate from Onao happens to be Urusa Imran Rana, uh, who had become the face of anti-CA protests in Lucknow uh, when a lot of uh, Muslim women who uh, had sat on the protest at Ghantaghar in Lucknow, they were, uh, you know, uh, water cannoned uh, by the police. Um, so I think they were also looking for uh, women candidates who have sort of endured a lot by the system. Uh, and they wanted to go to the people with uh, certain issues that concern women. And somehow Asha Singh also uh, happened to be a suitable candidate uh, in that sense. Um, so that is how she decided to uh, sort of contest uh, elections. And uh, as she also told uh, Shivangi in our interview that, uh, I mean, one of her uh, you know reasons uh, why she uh, decided to... Uh, contest polls on a Congress ticket is because she hopes that perhaps uh, they will get uh, justice which has been denied uh, under the current government. And actually, you know, I was going to ask you, you mentioned this is a family and these are families that have endured a lot. Now, obviously, this particular family, uh, in the case of the now rape survivors case, there's just been one thing after another that's gone wrong for them, right? And one would imagine that uh, they would be completely exhausted by the system. And I mean, I would have assumed they would want nothing to do with the system almost because of how it's treated them, how it's treated their family. Um, Asha Singh herself has lost, I'm guessing, both her sisters, her brother-in-law is in jail, her husband's died, daughters uh, survived a brutal rape. Uh, can you tell me, so when you met them, what was your first impression? Like, is there still a sense of hope and uh faith left in this family? Um, so, Nidhi, uh, yes, you put it very rightly that after sort of going through so much, um, what is it uh, that, you know, this family uh, wants to fight against and, like, uh, why are they, uh, you know, still here, uh, you know, on the radar? And the very first thing which would strike someone who meets um, Asha Singh for the first time is that she would seem like a very... A typical housewife, uh, a very typical housewife, homely uh, woman that one would come across in Uttar Pradesh, shy, introvert. And I mean, Unnao is uh, again a place where I have, you know, some relatives as well. So women don't really sort of uh, interact so much with men. Um, as you can also like, you know, she covers her head with a, a ghungat and very softly she'll, she'll start talking, um, forcing herself to emphasize and make a point. And when she will start talking and you listen to what she has to say uh, is uh, when you realize uh, that, you know, she's trying to make a larger point and that is that, you know, uh, our uh, entire, uh, you know, uh, judiciary, our entire criminal justice system, particularly the police, uh, they don't really come to the aid of rape victims. And all uh, they do is they uh, create more hurdles uh, that uh, ultimately results in the harassment and intimidation of rape victims and their families. And um, she has already sort of, you know, started trying to raise awareness about this issue uh, 
uh, because uh, like a few weeks ago, there has been another uh, horrific incident of alleged rape and murder of a girl uh, in Unnao's Kashiram colony, which also happens to be in Unnao's other constituency. And uh, the body of this victim who had been missing since December was recovered from an ashram that belonged uh, to a leader who happened to be a minister in the Samajwadi Party government. His name was Fateh Bahadur Singh. And it is his son, Rajol Singh, and his son, Suraj, who are the main accused and are uh, in police custody right now. Um, so Asha Singh, the moment like she heard about uh, this particular family, she went uh, and met them. She even um, sort of uh, accompanied them uh, during the last rites and is in touch with the family. So I think uh, for her, the aim is to ensure uh, a more sort of, uh, you know, a favorable ecosystem where uh, rape victims are able to navigate their way uh, through the maze of, you know, uh, justice system um, as they try and, you know, follow the case. And is she and her daughter still living under police protection? As I know that they were for a long time, the daughter at least was at a safe house. Even for journalists to reach her was very difficult. So what is that situation like now? Uh, they're still accompanied by, I think, at least around a dozen uh, CRPF personnel and any journalist or any person for that matter who wants to uh, meet Asha Singh or interview her, they have to sort of, you know, sign and, you know, uh, fill in their details in a register and only then you can um, meet them. Um, and as such, I mean, at least during this interaction, it didn't seem to me that uh, they were an aberration in any way or they were trying to interrupt uh, the interaction in any way. We got our time mm -hmm. um, uh, to have like a, you know, conversation with them and a freewheeling chat both uh, with the survivor as well as her mother. But does this mean that uh, that they still have a very real threat to their life? Uh, yes, I I believe that uh, that threat will always be there because uh, they still continue to live in Maki village. Um, and uh, Kuldeep Singh Singer had emerged as this very powerful Thakur leader in that particular uh, area. And like even before, uh, you know, we went to Unnao, the sense from the ground that we got uh, was that, uh, I mean, of course, she is contesting from Unnao Sadar uh, and Maki village, like their home village, a native village doesn't really fall into Unnao Sadar. But uh, uh, we were told by local journalists that even among the Thakur community, there is very little support for Asha Singh. Uh, and uh, Kuldeep Singh Sengar had this clout and influence in the area, uh, the way he had sort of chosen to climb up to power, uh, that there are, there, is, there are still people who, who think that uh, he has been wrongly framed uh, in this case. And I mean, um, I, that, that's just like another uh, sort of uh, uh, stream of thought that even the lawyer's uh, brother, the lawyer who later succumbed to his, uh, injuries and was uh, uh, in that car that day when they met with an accident in 2018, um, his brother is contesting on a BSP ticket from Unnao Sadar. And... Uh, both Asha Singh like, and his her daughter, they have alleged that he's also sort of spreading canards behind their back. Mm. So it's not really a very uh, sort of homely environment for them anymore. And there are uh, potential threats for sure. 
because uh, after after Kuldeep Singh Singer has been convicted and Asha Singh's brother-in-law continues to uh, languish in jail uh, in what she termed as a false case. And I think what's interesting for me in your story is that like a lot of times rape reporting happens about the incident, how terrible it is and, you know, uh, which is important, but rape reporting cannot always stop there. And in your story, what really comes through is how uh, Mukesh and Rita are parents who are fighting the system to get some justice. And Asha is someone who's, you know, really fought the rot of the system and has found enough strength to be part of that system in some way to address these concerns, right? So that Mukesh and Rita today have. Um, And I know from your story that Mukesh and Rita are still struggling to file uh, the fact that their daughter had been raped, that that, that hasn't been added to the FIR yet, right? Yeah, yeah. uh, The police uh, uh, hasn't added the charges related to rape because there has been, uh, because that hasn't been proven post-mortem report. And even uh, the post-mortem report has been mired in controversy because uh, there, is, there are discrepancy in facts uh, in the two post-mortem reports that have come out. Right. And, you know, while there both these stories in, in this, especially Asha Singh's, is fascinating, even inspiring as a human story, I'm trying to get a sense of, you know, you've been on ground, you and Shivangi have both been talking to people on ground. Uh, do political parties seem to share the same amount of fire that, Asha Singh shares for women's safety on ground? So as much as I think um, Congress has been vocal about uh, the issue of uh, women's safety, especially with their, uh, you know, slogan, Ladki Hu Lad Sakti Hu, BJP also has been, uh, you know, patting its back over Mission Shakti and the fact that they have set up a separate help desk for women, um, you know, at almost every police station uh, across the state, uh, because women's security is also a very political issue. And especially, um, you know, after the Hathras gang rape of a Dalit uh, woman uh, in 2020, uh, the Yogi government uh, sort of has been uh, trying really hard uh, through various advertisements and different initiatives that they do care about uh, women's security. So it is uh, definitely a you know, political uh, issue with every party trying to uh, convince voters um, that you know, they have done enough. And especially when it comes to BJP, they try and take it a step further uh, with their usual attempt uh, of polarization as well. And they say, look, we have tried to save your women by also uh, bringing in a law related to conversion. And therefore, we have tried to stop love jihad. A fact that was you know, reiterated by uh, Unnao's BJP Mahila Morcha President Sadhna Dikshit in our story. Um, and we are sort of trying to understand her viewpoint. We are telling her and we are asking her that uh, Unnao is a news for some of the most horrific crimes against women. Uh, apart from these two crimes we reported on, uh, there was another incident in between 2019 and 2020, when a Dalit woman uh, from Hindu Nagar village of Unnao, while she was on her way to court, uh, she was uh, burnt alive uh, by uh, the accused. Um, this also was a rape case, and she succumbed to her injuries uh, later. And, you know, uh, she just tells us that, uh, you know what, uh, earlier uh, women, they had to be, uh, you know, they, uh, men would accompany them every time they wanted to step out of house, they wanted to go to parks, etc. 
but now women are driving scooters uh, they are driving cars under yogi government and therefore all is well under this government so i mean uh, this kind of uh, quote unquote illogical thinking uh, of a bjp worker at the district level i think it also shows the mindset of uh, the you know bjp led government at the state uh, that by putting some sort of cosmetic measures in place like uh, mahila uh, you know help desk and all they think that they have done their bit and you know in the same unnao uh, district we went to a purva thana and um, you know we saw that okay there is a mahila desk which is functional and uh, uh, occasionally some or the other women they are trickling in and their you know queries are being noted in a register but for reeta and mukesh after their daughter had gone missing for two months the police didn't register an fir and they alleged that it was all because rajol singh happened to be son of a former minister so it also showcases a complete failure and collapse of the very system they are talking about in their full page advertisements right and ayush did you have any uh, questions for akansha i was in unnao last year during the second wave and um, i know you guys have seen those images of people buried by the ganga and the saffron cover over their graves i think a lot of those images were from unnao um and we did a couple of stories from there and what struck me was that i've grown up in up and i've seen uh you know the purvanchal area which shivangi and uh, uh, akanksha both reported on consistently but and i i thought growing up that i have seen it all you know this is probably the worst it can get that when it comes to under development uh you have your districts uh, your azamgarh and your jaunpur and your mirzapur and you know things can't go further but then i went to now last year and i saw things are so bleak uh, there as a district and uh, i think shakshi maharaj is the member of parliament since 2014 there right the uh, the hate monger uh, yeah MP. that's right yeah yeah so um, no wonder you know when you have representatives like that and the state of healthcare is like that that in all aspects of life that you know economists use that these are good indicators of how a people or a district or a government are faring in you know, now you know we you guys spoke about the safety of women and we've seen i've seen healthcare and i don't know if akanksha she noticed this but i've seen um, for up i've never seen so many fallow uh agricultural fields as i've seen in unnao it, it for, at one point i thought nothing grows here at all and it, the uh, it people uh, live in kachcha ghars and villages after villages have seen that one feature repeat itself and i haven't seen that anywhere but my question was that uh, you know sangeeta singer i think kuldeep singer's wife had also joined politics after her husband's conviction and as far as i remember there was one photo of her somewhere in an event with uh, chief minister yogi adityanath and this was a couple of years ago and this had uh, set the alarms rolling because people thought that okay she will be the replacement in some way it she'll be used uh, to uh, channel singers influence and she'll be the face of it but what has been her story is she actively in politics because i thought she was a candidate in some capacity so would you know what's up with uh, kuldeep singer's wife 
नो आई एम नॉट रियली अवेयर अबाउट संगीता सेंगर बिकॉज वी रियली डेंट गो टू माखी विलेज आर फोकस वॉज उन्नाव सदर कॉन्स्टिट्युएंसी विच इज लाइक अवे फ्रॉम द विलेज बट uh i mean we also wanted to figure out if you know there is any caste dynamic at play here like what could be the reason behind uh feeling asha singh from unnao sadar uh, constituency um but like there is no sort of uh, straight answer uh to this because uh, i mean if she would have been uh, contesting from an area and where you know uh, near to maki i could have still understood that probably congress um, is trying to woo the upper caste uh, but here i think uh, uh, you know they are solely contesting on the issue of uh, women security and uh, uh, as it happens to be like the very first election of asha singh uh, the sense that i can i got from you know local reporters is that they are not uh, really banking too much um, on her electoral success uh sangeeta singer i'm not really aware i uh, sorry about that okay so i just checked and it says that um, she contested the panchayat elections in uttar pradesh last year from bjp ticket wow and there's one place called fatehpur chorasi tritya i think you know now from where she stood i'm not sure if she won but uh, she was definitely given a ticket for the panchayat polls right all right guys i think we are nearing the end of our uh, podcast and uh, listeners we've done a lot of election coverage from all five states so you can go and read all our reports on our website in the assembly election section um, we will also continue to bring you more news as counting begins on march 10th before i let you both go uh, do you have any recommendations for our listeners akanksha so um since i'm on the field i haven't been able to watch or read uh, that much and i would recommend our listeners to please check out our ground reports uh, from mirzapur from sarathu uh, which happens to be uh, the constituency of up's deputy cm and of course uh, the unnao ground report a lot of hard work and labor has gone into it so please check them out and ayush yeah uh, so there's one story that we did from punjab which i which is my favorite it's uh, called rana's versus congress inside the party's most damaging infighting in punjab and i like it because it has so much masala and there was so much room in it for people um, you know to backstab to bitch about each other to trash talk and as journalists i really enjoyed doing these kind of stories which has which have a lot of gossip value though they are factual so uh, it's about how there's one seat called sultanpur lodi uh, in punjab where the congress candidate is fighting against uh, the son of the congress candidate in the neighboring constituency so he, he, the father the senior rana is fighting from a seat called kapurthala and in the neighboring sultanpur he has fielded his son against the congress candidate so it's a very weird position to be in as a candidate but we've explained how that really works and how um this one character rana gurjeet singh he's the sugar baron of the area he's very rich and how that, he uses that to leverage uh, his high command of the congress party so please read that story the second is punjab for journeys through fault lines this book by amandeep sandhu i read it before i went to punjab not all of it but it is first 200 300 pages and i think it's a great survey of punjab for someone who's traveled there for 3 years which the author has 
and um, i think it's in time for us to move uh, stop looking at punjab just to balle balle and lassi and butter chicken and naan and whatever and just to see how um, the kind of problems that plague the state from unemployment to drug abuse mm. and so i think that book will just help people see punjab more seriously and understand it better right thank you ayushan akansha uh, my recommendation for this week is actually the news minutes coverage of the hijab controversy in karnataka they have been on ground from the very beginning and both prajwal and pooja who are journalists with the news minute have been reporting on the incident uh, from my understanding prajwal has been based largely in uh, the area of udupi and pooja has been traveling quite a bit to kind of look at the repercussions of this particular controversy which is ongoing even now at the high court in karnataka um they've also done investigations on this and brought us really detailed coverage and they're continuing to do so so i think the news minutes done a fantastic job on this particular issue and all their reports are very well uh, very well done and very well written as well uh so that's my recommendation so listeners if you're listening to this podcast on apple spotify or stitcher or any other podcast platform please note that news laundry has its own podcast platform you can find it on our website uh it's got some swanky features where you can forward or go back to themes that you actually like in our podcast so do check out our podcast players on newsandry.com and with that this podcast is adjourned all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.